Welcome to Cooking Politics. Today I'm with Angela Romine. Correct. And I struggled with your name. I messed your name up because I like to tell everybody I am rural Missouri. So, you know, I've got that rural Missouri school education. <laughs> but you had a cute little saying. Yes, so people can remember it. It's you row your boat and I'll row mine. Row mine. Row mine. So, That's yeah. Cool. It's a lot easier than my maiden name. So tell us about Angela. Well, I'm an Army brat. My dad was in the military for 17 and a half years. Uh, I was actually born in Germany. Most of my family is from Mexico. My mom's from Mexico City. My dad was born in uh, Arizona, but grew up in Mexico City. So um, a lot of family in Mexico. Spanish was my first language. <laughs> uh, I, I joined the military, the Army, for about three years. I got injured in basic training, so eventually I got uh, medically discharged. But I served for three years and met my husband. He served for eight, and then he did some civilian contracting outside of that until we decided to settle down. And so uh, here we are in Springfield. So are either one of you from this? You're not from this area. I'm not from this area. So my husband I was actually born in California, but they moved to Mount Vernon. He went to school in Mount Vernon. So every time we would come and visit family, his family in Mount Vernon, they would obviously bring us up here to do something and I would hear big little community so when we were deciding what we wanted to do after the military, my husband asked me, where would you like to settle down? And to my amazement I said Springfield, Missouri. Wow. Because it's a big little community and yeah. that's the military, it's a big little community so it felt like home and it still does. You know, I love that People try to look out for each other and be there and support and yeah, I mean the community really comes out strong and that, that really means a lot to me. It reminds me of home. So how long have you been in Springfield? Uh, we've lived in Springfield since 2012, okay. August of 2012, yeah. Do you have kids? Zero kids. We were not blessed with any, but we have fur babies. So and God's blessed us in other ways. So on your candidate card, on your business card? Mm -hmm. Explain what, quote, the role of the government is to protect our God-given rights, end quote. What exactly is that? Well, that's the number one thing that it says in the preamble, right? Uh, the government is supposed to take, uh, protect life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So uh, we're the government's role is to make sure that we keep our freedoms that God, the Creator gave us, because that's what it says in the Constitution, given to us by our Creator. So that's what I mean by that quote. That's really supposed to be the role of the government. That's their number one goal, job, is to protect us, protect our civil liberties. So separation of church and state? Well, I think, uh, you know, um, I think that's been taken out of context. Um, back in the day, uh, the government actually used to tell you what you could believe and what you couldn't believe. And so... In the United States? Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons they came this that's way, That's why they right? came here, for right. freedom for of freedom religion. For freedom of religion. But it was still very prevalent because of what happened in Europe. So, uh, you know, you had your little locations of Quakers and this and that and the other. So we kind of stayed in our similar circles. But that's what it meant, the separation of church and state. Our, our founding fathers didn't want what happened in Europe to be happening here where the government is telling you you have to be Catholic or you have to be Protestant or you have to do this so that's what they meant by separation of church and state okay so on your business card it's let's discuss the items on your business card sure parental rights yes so <clears throat> you know when you hear things happening in the news uh, uh, schools for example want to do things behind the parents uh, knowledge of things to their kids whether that's indoctrinating them into um, so socialist communism kind of thing you know the CRT or whatever they're calling it now where you're an oppressor because you're white and you're an oppressee because you're whatever and uh, but you're also hearing some stuff about teachers or schools taking kids and trying to push on them transgender things and sexual things and parents don't want that they want to be able to control 
uh, what their kids listen to and what their kids read and learn and stuff like that. So making school subjects also, that's also happening, making school subjects part of that. So like in English, when you and I went to school, you know, we read a story and we had to write a book report or they did grammar and we, we got to pick mostly what topics we were going to write a research paper on or whatever. Yeah, right? they usually gave us a, a, a general, yeah, yeah. general area. And pick so, a country and do a book right? report on it. <laughs> and so, but that now they're funny. saying, uh, you know, subjects like, um, why is the government bad or why, you know, and those are the topics that they have to do book reports. Not every school, but that is what they're doing. The same thing with math problems, you know. Um, it's not just two plus two is four. It is, they, they try to incorporate that um, philosophy that they're doing into the subject matter. So you're, you're no longer just teaching the basics. You're adding extra things to the curriculum. So that's what I mean by parental choice. Like parents need to have the right to know what they're being taught and have a say on what they do and what they say. So we just had a school board election. <coughs> do you go to the PTA meetings or anything? I do not. I mean, I do, I, I I mean, do you're try to busy. follow. Yeah. You've got a full-time <laughs> job and you're running for office, but I understand that. But just because of you're passionate about parental rights and what's being taught, I just wondered if you were participating in the... No, I just, I have gone to a lot of uh, grassroots meetings. Uh, um, I, I went to Back on Track and heard what they had to say. Um, and I go to a We the People meeting to hear what they have to say. Because I think that that's one of the things that civil servants lose is they don't, they're not talking to average people and hearing what they, what their real concerns are. And, and so that to me is very... A, a very must thing to do, right? I want to have conversations with everyday average citizens. I'm an average citizen, so you know, the more I hear about what problems people have, then the better I can understand what's how to better vote, even and try to introduce bills to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. So, for example, parental rights. You know, when I hear here in Springfield, we think that we're in the Bible Belt, and you know, we're basically a conservative state we have a super majority so we should be a safe place where we're we don't have that in our schools and we do and that's the scary sad part so how do we help protect our kids and how do we help the parent stay the parent and not have the school or the government to become the parent my brother <coughs> he was in the uh, the school board of his rural school mm -hmm. and I don't, it's pretty much an open book when you go in there. You say what you question, what you want. You get the curriculum at the beginning of the year, what your child's going to be studying. So I don't understand why you feel like they're not getting, parents right. aren't getting heard, or do you think, do you think just one set of parents aren't getting heard, or do you think? Well, I think that it depends on the school, in the school. Right. It depends on the teachers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Springfield because that's what I know. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of concern. I mean, even like in our school libraries, we have books that are under the definition uh, of Missouri of what pornography looks like. The definition of pornography in Missouri. There are children's books in our libraries that are pornographic. Have you seen those? I have seen I have seen uh, copies of them, but I have not opened a book. I, when I look at the printout that they do, I mean, there's a lot of kind of covered areas in those. So if I go to this back on track, and what was the other one? We the people. We the people. Mm -hmm. They will have those books listed on there. I believe so. Okay, mm -hmm. I can check that. Is that like a Facebook page or a, a website or a? I think I think they do have a. I think uh, Back on Track has a website, uh, but they both have Facebook groups. Okay. Yeah, and there's um, there's another uh, young lady from Nixa actually. So talking about, I don't know very much about the other little towns around Springfield, but. Um, she has concerned parents of Nixa. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and and so she's uh, she's the one that has shown me what is in the Nixa public schools. Okay. And so yeah, it's disturbing. 
I want to come off of that for a minute and come back to that because we're going to talk about schools, and I know you have limited time, so I want to make sure we get okay, as much as, not as we can. Healthcare freedom. Yes, so as we learned, um, we had a lot of people in our health industry uh, walk away from their jobs because they were being forced to uh, do something to their bodies that they, they didn't want to do. And um, during the time that I was on city council, that's one of the things I talked to the health department about is we need to stop villainizing people just because they don't want to get vaccinated because I think they have valid concerns and we need to listen to those valid concerns. Never once have I said, do not get vaccinated. I think it should be a choice, and that's part of the health freedom. Yeah, because you got kind of beat up over that, didn't you? <clears throat> I did. <laughs> I, I don't know the specifics on it, yeah. but I do know that I there, remember there, seeing something that they were, right. so maybe there were, it was your Facebook or something. No, it. it was the conversation that I had with the health department. We had, uh, we had a conversation during um, the city council meeting, and it probably went for 20 minutes or so, her and I going back and forth. And it was a respectful, cordial conversation going back and forth. But I just said, you know, villainizing people, you're pitting against people each other, right? So if you're not vaccinated, you're saying we're super spreaders and we're this and that and the other. So then people come out attacking people that don't want to get vaccinated. And that's not how it should be. We should be able to respect each other's choices and focus on our own area and our own issues and do what we can that feels right for ourselves. So that goes for the mask, that goes for the hand, you know, the gloves, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I wear my mask. I get yeah. beat up a lot about that. Yeah, but, but I, I think that that's perfect. That's what this country is about. You're supposed to do what you think is right for you and your body. I should not have to say... So here's an example, and this is what I try to tell people before I even ran for city council when the whole mask thing came up. Yeah, why did you run for city council? <clears throat> uh, I'll get back to that one because okay. I'm, I'm talking about the mask. Right. But uh, so what I said was if government can force you to put a mask on, what happens when people that don't believe the mask work get into office and say you cannot wear a mask? Because we can do, if if we can tell if the government can tell you to do something government can tell you not to do something. Well, the people that want to wear the mask to protect themselves, they're up a creek, right? And I know this is a what if question, but that's how you always have to think about. If if one side can do it, then you have to think about the opposite side doing it. Because if one side can do it, the opposite side should do it. So the same well, thing with the mask, right? I don't want to, I don't really want to get into a debate with you on it. Oh yeah, sure. Because we don't have a lot of time. Okay. We have a patient coming. Yeah. And I've got a big lid, but I do want to say one thing. I do have two critical illnesses. So if I went to the hospital and my nurse or dietitian or physician didn't get vaxxed, I would be angry because it would jeopardize my health, which I am going to the hospital to get help for. And then maybe on the flip side, it's like every job has its own set of rules. Like my job, I'm supposed to have a green tag on my shoe. Mm -hmm. If I don't have a green tag on my shoe, I can't come to work. There's just, there's just rules that you have to have <coughs> if you want to be in that job. Yes. If so, you want to be in that employment. Oh, and I and I get that, right? So, but up until this point, and up until coronavirus, uh -huh. we never forced anybody to mask. People used to wear a mask. I've seen few people wear a mask during mm -hmm. the flu season, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and that was one of the things. So my mom is also in the same boat as you are, right? Mm -hmm. She wears a mask. She lysols her money. She lysols her mail. I mean, she does it all. And I told her, that is how you're supposed to do it for everything, whether when it's the cold, the flu, right, the right. thing, right? Right. But why? I was super excited that I haven't had to have a flu shot in the last two years. Because when I get the flu, I get pneumonia. Right. I, when I get a cold, I get bronchitis. So I was super excited that wearing a simple little mask <laughs> kept me from having to get that vaccine and those illnesses. But... We're getting off subject. Yeah. So why I ran for city council. So I felt that, uh, you know, I was one of those people that was not essential. And again, I think that's government overreach. So uh, you I felt you were not essential. I didn't feel like I was not essential, but the government told me I was not essential. And I had to pack up and close my business for a month and a half. Oh, because yeah. everything was shut down. Right. 
And and my point at that time was the the economy was already shutting down. Uh, my February was and and April were so slow. I was panicking whether or not I was going to be able to afford to stay open even right. And then for the government to tell me that I had to shut down, we again we know what we have to do for our own selves. People were not going out. People were not shopping. People were very afraid, and they were staying home. And that's how it should be. But it again it should be a choice. So if I felt that that I could provide a service for somebody in pain, right? My 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 business is mostly pain management. Most of my clients are for pain. So if a chiropractor could stay open to help somebody, I didn't understand why I couldn't. And that was the other thing, right? Uh, uh, alcohol stores were open, but churches were closed. How is that? How is an alcohol store essential and your religious freedoms non-essential? Well, I think it's because your, your church services packs the house. And the Brown Derby... There might be, there might be three or four people You'd be surprised, but but it, I mean, it's not an essential service, right? I mean, if it was really that bad and that deathly, and that church an essential service it is. because you can pray at home. You can, but it, it's more than just prayer, and it, it it's more than just. I I know that we could, where two or more are gathered, I am there, right? Right. But but I will tell you this: my heart was different watching church from a screen as opposed to going to my church and fellowshipping with my people. You know, to me, that contact was very important. And, and, and that's how I felt, like, we should not have government say, you cannot have your doors open. That's not how it, that's not how it works. But back to the thing, right? If, if coronavirus was as bad as it was, right? It was. It still is. It still is. Then why? open up a store that is not essential. Alcohol is not an essential thing. We can live without alcohol, right? <laughs> if you're telling me that I don't about know. The church, I don't know. I mean, you know, some <clears throat> alcoholic, I don't know, maybe <laughs> well, people alcohol? die going people die going through um, with shock course. withdrawals. Yeah. But but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the stats. And that's not what I when I saw <laughs> When I saw healthcare freedom on your card, I was like, "Is she talking about insurance, or no. is she talking?" So we're talking no. about COVID. Yep. Okay. And those so, decisions. Election integrity. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, there are things that we have seen that uh, we should always, regardless of what happened during the whole Trump administration uh, right. voting thing, we should always strive to make sure we have the most secure elections possible. Uh, some of the concerns that I had, which I'm happy to say did pass this year, mm -hmm. was like privatized, private money coming in to uh, pay for our elections. Because when private money comes in... Uh, I was under the understanding that that was a one-time thing because of the COVID. Okay, so yes and no. That's what I was under. Right. So people... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, so so uh, private money came in to help... Uh, with the election and maybe it was supposed to be a one-time but again you have to understand government no I do understand what you're saying it could be it could be an underhanded kind of bribe thing it right could be like it could be like a lobbyist situation, right. like the lobbyist absolutely I'm, I'm gonna give you some money but I need you to vote this way and just because way. it was one time doesn't mean, mean it won't it won't happen yeah. again so there's they things like say that in Missouri I think they said it was one of the fairest elections we ever. Maybe two people were fraudulent. Yeah, I mean, what I saw as far as Green County, I don't know about the whole state. But Shane said it was. Yeah, Shane Schuler, yeah. our county clerk here, does it a phenomenal job with our elections. So, but it's the whole state. So it's it, it's something that other cities in in Missouri could possibly want to practice. So now we have to bring picture ID, which. When I heard that, I was like, what about my rights? How come I have to bring this? Why did you got That's just what I went through. Uh -huh. But, I mean, I would, in the last big election I went to, I was like, why do I have to show you? Well, you don't. I said, I brought my electric bill. And they said, well, yeah, but we'll pull your vote aside and make sure. So we can't guarantee that your vote's going to count, which is kind of like backhanded, do what I say. But now they're saying you have to have a photo ID. 
a lot of elderly lose their driver's license because they can no longer see enough to drive, but they're still cognizant enough to vote. Yeah, there are state IDs without a driver's license. Where are those at? You get them at the DMV. Mm -hmm. my, my brother can't drive and he's got his, not from here in Missouri, but it, So what do those cost? Do you know? They're less than a driver's license. But they cost? I believe so. That so that would be like a voter's tax? No. A poll tax? No, because everybody has an idea. Most people have an idea of some sort because you But need not everybody. I'm not, I'm not trying <clears throat> to... I'm just trying to be on both sides of the yeah. fence. Yeah, no, no, I totally get that. Uh, no, because you need money for to buy alcohol. You need a, a voter ID to buy alcohol. You need a voter ID or a vote. Uh, sorry, an picture ID card. ID. Yeah, picture ID to buy alcohol, to rent a car, to go on the airplane. So you know, there's a lot of things that you need an ID to do in 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 society. And you know, when you t I, I've seen um, if it were free, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But the fact, well, that, and I don't the fact know, that they have to pay for it so, severely bothers me. So I don't know, but at the time that the voter ID was trying to be passed a few years yes, ago. And they just passed it, so we they, don't know. They, they said that it, the state would provide for the ID. So it was free for an identification card. So I'm just saying anybody right now that cannot drive can get a state ID that, it, that they would have to pay for, but not... That's not for the voting. Something just occurred to me because mm -hmm. it just came on all the news flashes, you know, uh -huh. that um, ICE, you know, ICE, the um, uh, Homeland Security. Okay. That they have just gobs and gobs of information on private citizens that they obtained that they really had no right to, no reason, because we're citizens. Why are you collecting our information? Right. So this would just be one more thing to identify. Uh, yes. People that should, ha like, I would be, I don't know yet. They said they were getting this information from, like, utility companies and whatnot, driver's license places. Well, I would be, that would, that would upset me. So... Uh, that's another thing that upset me last uh, election or last uh, legislative session is the the drug monitoring program so anytime that the government wants to monitor something yes we should be afraid but in all honesty since we had the aren't they doing that for opioids so yes but every other state that has opioid crisis has this program and it has never worked it has never brought the numbers down we were the only ones that even though we didn't have it, we didn't make a difference. The, the program does not make a difference. You're not going to see numbers go down just because we have this okay. monitoring program. And again, it starts with a little inch, and then they take more and more and more, right? So now they have a copy of all your health records. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, but unfortunately, that's the, the, the times that we live in. We have, um, what's it called? Um, after 9-11, we had the surveillance what's it called oh goodness sorry I'm getting that's okay, <laughs> that's okay. it happens to me too so I wanted I'm Patriot Act right or something like that where um, where they're they they surveil average citizens and uh, the conservatives some conservatives push back saying you're opening the door for government to spy on its citizens and that's but what they, they're but doing they are doing they're it. already doing it even regardless of the ID card okay so I I'm big on schools, and right now is summer camp season, and we have a problem in Missouri with summer camps. Okay. We have the Agape boarding school with um, sexual abuse. Oh, yeah. We have, um, the doctor was involved in that one. We have, I'm going to butcher the name of this, Canacook, Canacook, Canacook camp down in, let me spell it. With my southern <laughs> rural Missouri education. K-A-N-A-K-U-K camp in Branson, Missouri. They've been under um, scrutiny for 10 years for sexual abuse reports. Circle of Hope, Humansville area. Physical, mental, food abuse, and sex abuse. And so I didn't know this. I was just, I was just looking, you know, these are things that... 
I would want to talk to about my representative. What's going on with this? So then I looked it up, and there are 16 Christian camps in Missouri, 50 summer camps listed at summercamps.com. It's regulated by the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. No license is required. No license required for resident camps. No criminal background checks required on their employees. Um, Those are state regulations for Missouri. Looking into it's definitely worth that because again, I believe in protecting the children. So, which is one of the reasons why I think we're talking about ten years on one of them. I mean, how long have we had to? In my job, I had to have an FBI clearance, but. In, the, in these other jobs, they do background checks. I mean, I just can't understand why these camps are some, our babies are going to be summer camps. Absolutely. But that's, that, that to me is concerning. And so we do need to do, we do need to look into that and find out why it's happening and why we have such lax pro, uh, programs like that. Uh, yeah, no, there's, I agree. There's no oversight. There's no, there's no regulations to it, nothing. It's just like, hey, I'm going to call my camp, um, Jesus loves you, and then, or I can just call it backyard fun at the creek. Come down and camp, but I don't have to. I don't have to background check my people, which costs money mm-hmm. for the camps, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And I don't have any regulations other than the uh, Depart- health department and senior services. services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Department of Health and, and senior, senior services. services. Yeah. I think that that is a con- to me, like I said, to me it's a concern, and that's one of the reasons why I'm also concerned about the schools and some of the things that t- they're teaching. Yeah, we got to go back to the schools because I have a lot on the schools. What are your thoughts on this past July mm-hmm. of 2021 limited school voucher program? So any town that has 30,000 students can can put their money in a 501c which will pay the tuition, the books, the travel, the tutors to put your child in a private school. But your town has to have 30,000 population, which I thought was rather odd Mm -hmm. because there's several small towns around Springfield Mm -hmm. that easily commute. Their parents probably drive up here to go to work, but they're X'd out. They can't, they don't have 30,000 population. I think that's unfair. (laughs) Do you feel like, because it's taking money away from the schools as well. Yes. So because you put the money in, are you familiar with the program? A little bit, yeah. You put the money in the 501C, they pay it, and then you claim it on your taxes and you get it back. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that um, I absolutely believe that the money should follow the child, and this is why I, I don't believe that schools are going to be hurt, really. I mean, yes, I know they're going to lose some of the funds, but they're not going to be as overworked, right? They're going to have smaller classes and and parents should have a decision on whether their kids go to private school or public not school. Not at the expense of the taxpayer though. When the kids go to public school, the public school removes, receives money on a headcount. Right. But so there's less money going to the public school. But if the schools are not listening to the parents and they're teaching things that the parents don't want, then the parents do absolutely have but a right. But the taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for that. I sent my kids to a Christian school. I paid for it because it was my choice. So why why are the taxpayers paying for these people? Well, it's still it's you know what it's thirty thousand people. It's still happening. I don't have any kids, uh-huh. zero kids, uh-huh. and I still have to pay school property tax. Well, right? I still did too. Right. Pay to taxes too. But I'm saying education is still being paid by the taxpayer. But people, people are still paying the taxes, even if they don't have people in school. So I'm still paying taxes for the school in a school that I don't even use. So I'm still funding other people's education. Well, they're still paying taxes too, but they get their money back. It's just okay. We can move on. Okay. Missouri schools ranked 42 out of 50 in the United States. Does that concern you? Absolutely. And then the, the teachers are made, we rank 49th. In pay. In pay. And this raise that they just voted in is only for one year. So is it just a, is it just a voting year thing? I mean, why? So the, re- the reason they did it for the year, probably my guess would be a coronavirus thing. So the state had uh, extra funds from the federal government to come in, and they had to spend it. 
and they can't spend it on something that was continuous. So like even on city on the city level, we paid uh, extra to police officers and the health department and city employees for one year for working through coronavirus, right? right? So uh, so they, they got a, an extra pay. A bonus. A bonus. So that's almost kind of what is similar to the, the teachers this year. So they had money to spend. It had to get spent. So they said, we'll give the teachers an extra thing for a year. But since it's that money was only a one-time money, we can't continue that unless we find money. But I think... That's one of the things that really drives me crazy is that government is always looking to get money, but they never look at how they can save money. So at, again, city council, I'm sitting there listening to the budget, and their concern was that our city government is so reliant on uh, sales, tax. sales tax that we should look at property tax as a, as a, uh, to diversify where the money comes in. So they're looking at protecting themselves and their budget and their money uh, any way they can, but they're not looking out for the average citizens. What does the money go to pay for? Oh, it pays for the police officers and, and things like that, right? But, but where, when we are in a downturn economy, which is what they were talking about, right? Um, people end up losing their jobs. Mm -hmm getting their hours cut, and now they have to pay more property taxes on their house that they could lose their house. Like that's one extra thing mm -hmm. to worry about. So okay. you're putting the burden on the taxpayer to pay extra right. on a house that... That if, they may or may not have because of the... Right. right. Okay, so, so last year, the mm -hmm. Senate voted themselves a raise, and I was right. furious. Absolutely. Because we were not even out of COVID, and they voted themselves a raise. Absolutely. And I'm still furious about it, <laughs> but that's pretty much the same situation. I mean... Right. So we need... what, and, and this is what I had told the city manager when he asked me why I voted no on the, on the budget. And I said, because I didn't hear anywhere in this budget where you're trying to find money that is wasted. I know there's money government waste. Government wastes money. Did I, you find any? Did you I, look? I haven't looked, no. Okay. But I know that it's there. And he said, well... And I'm, I'm just asking yeah, because yeah. I'm not no attacking you. Yeah, no, no. And so he, he said, well, of course there is, but we don't know how to find it. We don't know how to go about finding it. So that's not the right answer. You need to find the money so that, you know, if, if we need more money, I'm happy to vote for something a, a little higher tax or whatever but I want to make sure that the other side I mean when you're at home I hear what you're saying and I think yeah. I can bring it to a nutshell for sure, you sure I just received three or four um, overdraft statements and so I was like what the heck I know that I budgeted down to the penny and what the heck is this why this so I go through my statements for three months and somehow DoorDash got a hold of my card I don't. I live so rural. <laughs> we have one gas station, and they might make pizzas. We there's no way we have DoorDash. Yeah. I don't know how they got. It. And then there was another one on there. It was nickel and diamond me. But I understand what you're saying. It's like go back through your checking account and yeah. find out where this money's bleeding out. At. Exactly. I see what and you're we saying. Need, yeah, and we need to do a better about that. They as did, government. Who's in charge of the budget? Uh, well, we have a, a finance department in the city uh, uh, government. So. And so then they come to the city council meeting and they discuss what, what's... Yeah, and yeah. The, way that they, the way they present it is, this is how much money we raised. We believe that we need to diversify on how we get the money. And then this is where the money in chunks goes, right? And so that... But that was what was upsetting to me. Also, you know... When you retire, if you bought your home, you still have to pay property taxes. Right. So those are things that, that again, how can we help people that are unlimited uh, money, right? When, when you retire, you want to just retire and enjoy your home. It, it should be your home. But it, you shouldn't have to worry about, well, if I can't afford to pay my taxes, I'm going to lose my house. And you're 70, 80 years old, and you've already paid for your house. That shouldn't be a concern, right? But isn't it kind of like when you go to church and you have fellowship with uh -huh. your church members? 
Isn't it kind of like you live in a community and you have fellowship? You you tithe at church. I mean, this just occurred to me as uh-huh. you were speaking. By the way, uh-huh. I didn't. It's not in my notes. <laughs> so you're at church and you tithe for your church, and then you donate stuff if you need to. But isn't that what living in your community is? Is that you are you're paying that tax, you're in that community, you're you're tithing to your community so that you have police officers and firefighters and good schools. So the the tithing is a choice. It's not a requirement. So you don't have to and my church believes that it should be whatever your heart feels happy to give, right? So I may not be tithing 10%. I may be tithing 2%. I have that say in how much I want to give to my church. Some people only donate change because they are on such a limited budget. But it's not a requirement to attend church and or for salvation. That's a completely different thing. Yes, we need to do things for the citizens like police, like fire and like schools. But again, there is there's so so much wasted money in that. So for example, you know, being in the military, we used to hear from the supply people how they spent two hundred dollars on a hammer. <laughs> I don't know who made that decision, but there's hammers less expensive than $200. I worked for the mailroom, believe it or not, uh, up in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And we had, they called it the mailroom, but it was personnel files, basically. And that's where I worked. We had uh, a set of, I don't remember, like three or six retrievers full of personnel files. And so the mail would come in about the, a, pers- a person, mm-hmm. an employee, and we would go and file their paperwork, mm-hmm. whether it's you know a raise or whatever. I was bored out of my mind. We had people sitting there twiddling their thumbs because we only had so much things to do. So I would always find something to do mm-hmm. uh, to work and be productive besides sitting there in my, off, uh, in my little desk being bored. Mm-hmm. So we could have hired less people to do the same job and had more than enough work for people without falling behind. So we're paying people, personnel, and it's wasted money because there's less work to do that way. So I think that there's things like that that we can look at and see, Not I don't want the cheaper chicken, right? So I don't want a $2 hammer that will fall apart when I use it once, but we definitely don't need a $200 hammer. It doesn't do anything special, you know, right? When, when I went to college and I was going, I didn't finish because of the children and everything, but um, I took business class. I, I just wanted to be in business. I uh-huh. just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had no idea until I got my job at the Postal Service how, because I had worked in a business office and you would come in and either the phone's ringing off the hook or you filed a few papers or you ran the calculator for a little while, or, you know, but there was always just a few minutes that you got to sit there and file your fingernails, uh-huh. whatnot, not at the Postal Service. They time you down to the second. I'm not kidding you, people do not believe me. And so when I look around at these other people, I'm like, could you hurry up and unlock the door? I've got to get in and get your mail and get your mail and get out. They have no clue that I am being timed so strictly. So I can understand your frustration, but I, I just think that's something that you can't govern how. Well, I know you can't govern that, but again, the gov- the bureaucrats, the, the employees of the city always look to expand. They wanna hire more people, they, they want to. Right. So for example, the field house, that was another issue I had, Oh. right? Yeah. That's your tax money going out taking a private well, entity. I don't live in Green County. Hopefully it's not <laughs> well, my tax money. <laughs> but people in Springfield. Right? I thought that was kind of <clears throat> I thought that was kind of weird. Right. I'll just say Th- that was a, a lot of million dollars spent. However, it's for the the schools or traveling teams or something. Is that the, supposedly that's what it's for. But yeah, there's big money in that. There is big money. But do you think that a, a business person that knows that there's big money on that would not have bought that property and kept it private? without having to spend your government money uh-huh. or your tax? Well, that money, I don't know. I right? don't know. The guy that built it sold it, so we don't know why. Right. I don't know why. So, exactly. But so if they sold it, it or, if they sold it, 
we should look we should look at why it was sold and we shouldn't just buy it just because right if, if so it, surely somebody did somebody did you would somebody think did so. a you would cost think analysis so. on it. you think you would think so they did not I don't know I didn't see a cost analysis so what they did was come and say this is something that will help bring up oh, money that'll bring yeah, yeah that'll bring yeah. money well that's Kinda a gamble. Like Johnny Moore's not right. paying getting tax abatements. Right. So yeah. that 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 is a gamble that government money is doing with your money. So is that government waste? I believe so. That was uh, a little over 7 million dollars for the first round, right? Because then the parks department came back and asked for money for the employees because they didn't have the money for the employees, right? So those are things where we could have used that money to give maybe teachers a little bit more extra. I mean, I don't know how much more we could have given, you know, divvied it up. I don't know how many teachers we have. But again, I would have rather lowered your property tax and use this money for the teachers than... Uh, so that's what I'm saying is that there's mismanagement of money and it is affecting us absolutely. So I'm going to get off track. Sure. Um, when you get elected to Senate, what do you think that what boards do they think that you do you think they'll put you on? What committees? I don't even know. <laughs> I haven't even looked that far yet. So you know. What would be your goals? You became senator of Springfield. Of Springfield. What are your goals? What is your passion? What's the number one thing you're going to take up there, Jeff City, and try to fix for Springfield? Well, the stuff on my card, you know, again, being and, and, and being more... By personal, card, you mean your business my card? My business card, right. Not your credit card. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not your debit and, card. And, and making sure that we can be a little bit more fiscally responsible. You know, uh, I want to be able to hold people accountable and figure out ways that we can but wouldn't be... you have been able to do that more efficiently on this on the council? Rather than because at the Senate you're just up there voting on but school that's vouchers for people who get have thirty thousand people in their town. You're not you're not so the, but voting on the budget down here. No, not down here, but it's the whole state. So Springfield is just one of the problems, right. and then you have state mismanaging money, and then you have federal uh, mismanaging money. So it's in all the levels. So, so can, are you like? trained as a CPA or accountant no, or anything. No. Okay. I'm a just, massage therapist. I, oh, you're just savvy with <laughs> you're just savvy with budget. I'm just trying I, to Yeah, I, I have I a family budget and I, I have, have a business any, budget. I don't know anything about you and so I just want yeah, to clarify. Yeah. No, I have I don't have a college degree. So oh, no, no, you're fine. I have no college degree. I am a, a skilled worker. I'm a massage therapist, but I'm also concerned about You're passionate about your community. Of my community. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes off really well. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to schools because this kind of irked me that uh -huh. I don't, this school situation, I personally, it's, I'm not running for Senate, but um, personally, I think if you don't invest in your children first, then how can you expect to, to achieve anything? I agree. I mean, I mean that was I, one of my fights with the flag. I, it makes me angry that schools like Springfield don't go to school year-round, like California, because it, they're not having to take off to go milk the cows or to go put up hay. And when they're not in school, they're usually bored to death. So I don't understand. Other than the, the big money for the traveling sports, it would cut into that. So, yeah, I see that. <laughs> but to me, in my mind, uh -huh. the children are worth more than them. Somebody oh. banking off of a seven million dollar field house. Absolutely, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to this latest thing that came out. Sure, and that's the best high schools in Missouri. Okay, this is out of 465 high schools in Missouri. The top ten schools were located in St. Louis, Kansas City, Ladue, Kansas City again, St. Louis again, Clayton, Lafayette, Lafayette. Rural Missouri education over here. Um, Kirkwood, Parkway, Rockwood. Those were the schools that hit the top 10 out of 460 high schools in Missouri. There are no high schools from Springfield or Southwest Missouri in the top 10. However, 11 schools made the top 100. This is for the whole state. The top 100. And I'm just going to read them off. Okay. And tell me what you think. And you'll know when you hear your schools. Right? I should. I'll 
I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, so... Again, zero kids in school, so... <laughs> I understand. Number 30 is Nixa. 55 is Spokane. 61 is Ozark. Number 63 is Web City. Number 68 is Branson. Number 80 is Neosho. Number 86 is Fordland. Ding, ding, ding. Number 87 is Central High School. Okay. 95 is Republic. 96 is Fair Play. 97 is Monette. And um, the only other Springfield schools, because that's your district, that's mm -hmm. why we're discussing this, um, that made the top 100. Okay, Central was ranked at 87. Kickapoo ranked at 139. And Glendale was ranked at 296. So Kickapoo and Glendale didn't even make the top 100. Only Central. And you've got, uh, of the public high schools, you've got Central, Hillcrest, Parkview, Kickapoo, Glendale. So five of them, only three of them. Only one of them made the top 100. That's, and then. Yeah, that's sad. Okay, they evaluated the schools based on graduation rates, qualifying scores on array of college level exams, and math, reading, and science scores on state mandated exams. And they also factored in graduation rates, underserved students' performance. Families can use this information. Okay, but that, that, okay. so that's what they rated them off of. Out of Springfield metro area, do you want to hear how those schools ranked? Sure. Okay. Number one, Nixa. So Nixa's rocking it in both. Number two is Spokane. Whoops, Spokane rocked it. Ozark, number three. Fordland, number four. Central, number five. That's out of the Springfield nut, so they got pinched yep. up there a little bit. Republic, six. Fair Play, seven. Walnut Grove, eight. Fair Grove, nine. Stratford, ten. Kickapoo, ding ding, eleven. Clever, twelve. Willard, thirteen. Bolivar, fourteen. Humansville, fifteen. Niangua, 16. Marshfield, 17. Now, Niangua, which is another thing I need to discuss with you. <laughs> Niangua and Marshfield are four-day work, four-day schools. They cut down to four days of schooling because of budget, supposed to save them money. So anyway, they made the top 25. Niangua, 16. Marshfield, 17. Seymour, 18. And Morrisonville, 19. And then Glendale, 20. That's out of the Springfield metro, metro area. area. So, um, it, it's very disappointing. Springfield gets so much money for their students. Fordland. <laughs> Fordland's population, what, maybe eight, maybe six, eight hundred people? And Springfield's, what, 169? Yep. Yep. And it's the biggest school district in, in Missouri. The, yep. So, yeah. So if you're going to be the senator, what can you do for these schools? Do you, what do you think that you can do? Well, we gave them a one-year raise, mm -hmm. but that's going to be gone next year. Well, but I think it's more than just. Uh, it it is important to pay the teachers. Uh, right. Uh, well, because but you can't get good teachers if you're not. What What did we rank? Forty nine out of fifty on teacher teachers pay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I did, somebody uh, posted that on my Facebook, and I said, yeah, because they said it was the 50th, and I said, the one that I saw was, well, it was 40-something, right, I, uh, I thought. Montana, we were, about, but we just gave our teachers a, a, a bump, a bump for one year. Gotcha. Um, but I think what we really have to do is look at the, um, the curric the curriculum and make sure that the to hear from the school boards and to hear from each each area of why they think they're struggling we need to look at it internally right but it starts with the school board the the closer it the closer government thing that you have to the problem is the best way to start it right so I would probably start with the with the uh, school boards and here in Springfield I know for sure that so parents have been concerned about the the trajectory of Springfield uh, School District that they are getting involved. They're they're door knocking their for their school um, school board candidates that they like, and we got some people that 
they're getting involved about CRT. They're getting involved about the but whole CRT thing. It's not even just the CRT. CRT they, isn't even, even taught until the until college, the last years of college. Uh, no, there's teachers that have come forward and showed what they're being taught in the schools. <laughs> no, you're fine. And so, uh, but that's where it needs to start. We need to make sure that we are teaching um, uh, the right, not the right things, but that we are teaching the basic things to move people forward to have a better education. So let me ask you this. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. No, no, no. You're um, fine. Because I did do the census for Springfield. Uh huh. Our average income in Springfield is $37,491. That's the average income for Springfieldians, and that's the lowest because I'm interviewing all of these other districts. Mm -hmm. That is the lowest that I have ever seen for wages. And then your poverty rate is 21% for children. For children. 21% of 169000 So what do you think... Who who's going to address that? Is that a city council thing, or is that something that you can address at a, at the senator level? I don't know that it. That is also a multi-level facet issue. Um, you know, I, I've tried to think of ways that we could uh, bring that up, where uh, where we're not influ. So, unfortunately. It's raining. Unfortunately, it's too. <laughs> there's, there's, there's always somebody that makes more money and somebody that makes less money. And I understand the median where you're saying. And so, yes, we need to bring the median up. Go ahead. But I want to go back to the child sure. poverty because I think, just in my opinion, and I'm not educated in this at all, but in my opinion, if you send a child to school hungry, it's going to be dang hard for that child to focus. To learn. Absolutely. To learn. Right. Yes. <clears throat> and so... I would think that that would be one of the reasons perhaps we have such a low rating. Springfield has such a low rating on your, on your but we have schools. possibly like I have not looked into the whole study of of the poverty and the school association. I know it does play a part. Uh, so go, I will say this: you're going to go to Missouri House, yeah, to represent Springfield. So go ahead, and yeah. Say. So I, I will say this: so growing up, uh, my dad lost his job. And we were fortunate to be able to move into my grandparents, my mom's parents, mm -hmm. uh, to live. Because if not, we would have been homeless. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, um, my dad tried to apply for food stamps mm -hmm. uh, because we had no money, right? He was not working. And they said he didn't qualify because, and this was in the 70s, so, okay, or early 80s. So he didn't qualify because he didn't have a renter's agreement because he was living with my grandparents, uh. right? So then my grandparents went to try to go and apply for the food stamps because now they're also feeding extra people, right? right? So it makes sense. They didn't qualify because they had a business that the year before made a lot of money, but the year that we moved in, they lost their business. So there was no money coming in. So nowhere in there was there money. We, No matter how we had tackled that trying to find food money, did we ever find food money? Like, we didn't have money. So my dad would try to do the best as he can. So he would use one egg and milk and flour to fluff the egg up so that we could all eat the egg, <laughs> you know? So I know what it is to struggle. Like, I was young, but I knew, uh, Yeah, you, you, you know, it, right? So, um, but I think the difference was, it, the, the lack of the food stamps and being not being helped spurred my dad so hard that he said, I will never be in a predicament where I have to rely on the government to feed my children. So he did everything he could to get above and beyond that. And that's what I remember. So he was blessed. And I don't mean to disrespect his philosophy. I think that's outstanding. But there are a lot of people that there's disabled and there's elderly and there's there's a lot of people that fall through Right, the but cracks. elderly wouldn't have small children with maybe possibly. Well, some of them are starting to raise their grandkids. But what I'm saying is, and, and, and you know, my grandparents took us in and they survived as well. So I, I think that, yes, it was a blessing. I agree. But we can't... 
we're always we all have our our journey some people start lower and become millionaires I'm not a millionaire no, I'm not even close to that no, I'm not even a quarter of that or a third of that I made four dollars on this <laughs> four dollars and 92 cents on this podcast wow uh, that's oh, a lot of money <laughs> and so you know so that's what I'm saying so when you look when I, I know that there's, and, and that's another thing that I feel uh, has been a detriment to our culture, is when government has stepped in to be the savior of all the things, then you have weakened the churches. It used to be the churches that took care of the orphans and the widows and the poor and, you know, and there are some churches that are still involved in that, but they're very few and far between. And I keep hearing from people, where are the churches? Where are the churches? Well, you have government giving you this this, uh, this money and this money and this money and this money and this, uh, you know, so why would a church step in if the government is going to take care of it? I so, don't know. My church was <clears throat> a food bank in the basement. Okay, yeah, but does that, would that help? What are you doing to impact the children that are not being fed? You have a food bank. We have a food bank. They come let us know. And, and, yeah. Okay, so and but, we just did a food drive. <laughs> but but oh, it's <laughs> but it's still obviously showing that there's a lot of kids in poverty, and our schools are going. To, our scores are down, right? So what could we do as a community without the government to help this situation? That's what. That's the muscle that we need to flex. It's not reliant on government because government will always try. And that's the thing that gets me too from the the situation that my parent parents and grandparents lived with the food stamps. They want to put you in this box in order for you to qualify. Perfect. Well, I think the box is so that that only the people that really really need it. And I know you fell through the cracks because you didn't have a rent. You fell through the cracks. Right. There's but, people but that fall through the cracks. Absolutely. But you've got to have that cut off. Okay, but here's a, but sometimes it's also a hindrance. So here's another example. I know a person that is working, uh-huh. right? He's got to make a choice. He's trying to fix his car, can't afford the car. He went to try to get help, assisted help, and he doesn't qualify because he makes too much money. So here you have a citizen that's trying to be productive, working hard, paying his taxes, mm-hmm. can't fix his car. Right, yeah. right. We can't. He can't fix his car, but he doesn't qualify for any help whatsoever so why doesn't he just quit his job and then he can get the help to fix his car because he won't make that much he won't make the same amount but he he, but he would get food stamps he would get this aid that aid the other aid there's a lot of there's a lot of things well did it add up to what he's bringing home oh yeah because I I would believe so because but we don't know we don't know but what I'm saying is you demotivate people, right? Well, why am I going to work if I can't I can't get help to fix my car so I can go to and from work? And so those are the things, those are the people that fall through the cracks. I, I actually am trying to figure out how to help this man, me, myself, and I, because I think he's working, he needs a working car, and that way he doesn't go and use, uh, well, uh, try to apply for government help. He's in Springfield, Missouri? Yeah. So he could take the bus. I'm not trying to be, I'm just trying to think, because I think that you can meet so many different people and hear their story and think, why didn't you take the bus? I, when I, when I lived in Springfield, I rode my bicycle six miles, but I did it because I like to ride the bike, <laughs> but it saved me money. And as a single parent, that just went to my children. I didn't have to pay gas to go back and forth or get that extra oil changed. Or wear those tires out. Ride your bicycle. I've got coworkers that ride those scooters to work. You know, <laughs> that's nice. I mean, but but I think there's that's so many in Springfield, a metropolitan area. You have so many avenues more than say, you would, you know, in Marshfield. Yeah, yeah. You can't, and and I think that that's you can't the other commute thing. to Springfield for a job, right. On a bicycle from Marshfield, oh, you absolutely. can't. But it, you could. Yeah. But it would be right. But that's the other area that we are, are are lacking. And again, I don't know. I wasn't able to figure out why we have such a horrible bus schedule and bus pattern. Well, they were tossing around having free, free bus but, fares, 
like he, they did in Olympia, Washington did that. They took the bus fares off. But even even if you take off the bus fares, it's still taking people two hours to get from North Springfield to Southern, South Springfield. Yeah. So There's a gal here in the building that rides the bus to work and back every day. And it is a hassle trying to figure out the schedule to get to and from and what, you know. So the free part is not the issue. The the, the problem is the, the schedules and the pattern. I don't know what's wrong with it. So we don't have enough buses. We don't have enough buses. No, we don't. And or we don't that have, would take more taxes or we don't have enough we don't have uh, a, a good pattern the way that you know and that, that's one of the things I was trying to figure out with city utilities was are we are we looking at other cities that have better busing systems that doesn't take people two hours to drive from this to get from point A to point B mm -hmm. and he said well we are trying to you know we are trying to look at it no either you are looking at it or you're not looking at it mm -hmm. so th then those are the frustrations that I have is the, the government is supposed to the, the government things that we do have in place are lacking and they just but it's still not enough to do what they need to do it isn't but I think that there are ways there is waste in the budget and we need to look at it closer to be able to apply it where it needs to be so if we need more buses then we need to reorganize and you know I do it at home right but that's a city council thing again right uh, right right that's the, nothing the, the senator bus, no, is going to deal no, with no the bus is not a, a, a senator thing but what I'm saying is Sometimes government. I'm watching my walks, watch because you have 15 minutes before your. Okay, my next appointment. So I'm going to try to just ask you some sure. quick questions. I know I would just love to sit here and maybe <laughs> maybe I'll come back and we'll do. More. I would love that. But for now, quick questions. Sure. Rapid fire questions. I think that's what they call them. <laughs> Electric cars. Yeah, I think if you want to get one, yes, we considered getting one for a bit, um, but then we opted not to. I can't wait. I keep praying my car just holds on till the end of the year so I can get an electric car. I'm sorry. Inflation, how did we get it? A lot of it was, uh, again, government waste. I know why they did it, but I didn't approve of it. Uh, they shouldn't have shut down the economy, in all honesty, because then we wouldn't have had to have all this extra money that, to help all the people that were impacted by not working and, uh, and printing extra money. Prison reform. <laughs> Springfield just mm -hmm. built a new larger jail. Mm -hmm. Okay, prison reform. Prison reform. Well, I think that uh, definitely the punishment should fit the crime, but mm -hmm. I think once you're done, you're done, and you've already paid your dues, and you move on. And uh, should it follow you forever and a day? I don't believe so. I think that in that it should be a case-by-case -case basis, you know, on depending on the job. So you definitely don't want to... A sex offender to maybe work with kids and you don't want somebody that steals money to work as a CPA or in a bank so there might be some limitations there but mm -hmm. I do believe in giving somebody a second chance to move on and bell okay. uh, come back as a productive citizen okay as Missouri senator how would you bring more manufacturing jobs to this area or just jobs jobs yeah so uh, if I mean it seems like they're going to Republic they got Amazon, and they're taking what is it that um, um, convoy? Convoy of hope. Yeah. They are they are moving to Republic, so that's taking money from your economy. So mm -hmm. what are you going to do to fill those voids? Those voids. Well, I believe that there's ways that we can do it that would benefit everybody way all the way around. If you look at the states that are thriving right now and not struggling. They have lower taxes, and they have uh, like property taxes and state taxes, and they actually have a little bit higher sales tax. But again, that's a little bit uh, more manageable than when you're trying to pay property taxes and, and state income taxes. So those jobs would come. Um, well, I don't mean to interrupt, and yeah, this is sure. something we would have to just talk about forever. Next time. But I will say this, a lot of the things that I hear when I hear people saying bringing jobs to the area, they said you need good roads and good schools. And we that do is, not have good schools in Springfield, Missouri. No, but that is, you're absolutely right, that is one of the areas that we need to work on also. But uh, there's, that's what I'm saying, we need things that will uh, benefit everybody, not just corporations coming here. Okay, I wanted to talk about broadband, but I don't think that's going to make the cut. Mm. Medicaid expansion. 
as quick as you can. I don't know very much about that yet. But from what the little I do know, I was not for it. The people, the majority of the people voted for it. The majority of people voted for it. So Why are they taking it away? Why are they trying to defund it? Uh, that I don't know. I have not, like I said, I have not looked into that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I believe if the people have spoken, the people have spoken. The same thing with this, the gas tax hike, right? We voted it no, and they still found a way to pass it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they again, do that a lot up there. <laughs> but we again, vote something I out don't. Jory, <laughs> and then the people in the house. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they. Uh, I, I have not looked into that subject, so I, I can't. I just say overall. They I did put a loophole in the gas tax, though. You do know that, right? Right. You have to remember. You have to save your receipts. You have to know the address of where you got the uh, gas from. It's on your receipt. And you have to write it down in the form, mm -hmm. and uh huh. But that's what business owners do; they get to deduct their, all their fuel. But now anybody can do it. So if you're just getting gas for your weed whacker or your lawnmower and your car, all of those combined, you can deduct those on your taxes. Yeah, but most business owners are used to doing things right. like that. Most average citizens don't. But it doesn't mean that they can't do it. Right. They are given that option, and I'm pretty booked up, but. I will try to come back. Okay. If you want. Yeah. I love this because I can see that we're not eye to eye, but I think that this is. Well, like I'm trying to be. I am <laughs> no, new at this, and I'm oh, not no. a professional. No. But I just try to. I try to pay, play devil's, devil's advocate, advocate. Absolutely. Both sides of the fence. I try to advocate for both. And I and and that's one of the things that I tell people. I I am happy to always talk to somebody and listen to somebody. Uh, um, but having a conversation back and forth, so not just dismissing you, but actually taking it. time to listen to you right. and listen to what you your points of view are. And that's what I told people, even in city council. We can agree to disagree. Um, the city council really was for the mass mandate and for the vaccine. So I was representing the people that didn't want to get the vaccine or wear the mask. So there was, right. that, there was that population, right? We need to hear both sides. So that's that's what I I truly believe is that we need to make sure that most of the voices are being heard that that we can hear right because eventually we have to make a decision do we listen to this voice or listen to this voice we we always will have opposition mm -hmm. but I I want to have respectful conversations with people and I want to listen to their concerns whether that's I important. agree with them or not right. I want to hear what you have to say you had some great questions I have here one more sure it's the hot button one have the hot button one pro fetus or pro woman. Pro-woman. Oh, I'm sorry. Pro-fetus. I am all about the life. All about the baby. So, to me, the baby is uh, a completely different human being. And so, because it's got the woman's genes and the man's genes, it's not the woman's body. It's a whole another separate entity. Yes, it's living off the woman, but it, it, it is still a life. And in my beliefs... God create God knew you even before you were born uh, before you were formed in the womb. So I, I'm very pro life. Okay. Thank I you agree. so much. You're so welcome. I enjoy this. <laughs> Me too. All right. Until next time. Yes. This is Cooking Politics. Cass and Angela. Out. <laughs> Have a great day.